Um, uh, it really has been a fantastic series so far, looking at the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, and we've got an exceptionally awesome passage to look at tonight um, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Um, so you can open your Bibles here, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Um, I'm not going to introduce our panel members. They're pretty much all, I was going to say old faces, but that word's already been ruled People. out. They're all well-known people of good reputation. <laughs> it's probably better <laughs> in the community. So sometimes, yeah. <laughs> Says the wife, yeah. <laughs> um, so we've got a fantastic passage to look at tonight. We're going to be looking at um, what Romans calls the, um, this the, the gift of giving or um, what's probably more commonly known as, um, as a gift um, the gift of generosity. Um, so it's a fantastic little passage for us to look at. I'll just open it up in Romans um, to give us some context and then we'll get straight into the Second Corinthians passage. Second Corinthians 8. But I'll just read you this one for context. All right, it says this, it says, Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith, if service and his serving, or he who teaches and his teaching, or he who exhorts and his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Um, so we're going to be looking at verse 8 here in, um, in Romans where it says, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, or he who gives with liberality. So Paul talks about a certain kind of giving, a gift of grace that's placed upon the body of Christ to be able to give, but not just give, to give with liberality. Um, so that's a, the scene setting in, in Romans chapter 8. And then we've got our key passage in 2 Corinthians. Second Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. The title is Great Generosity. Now, brethren, we, mish, we wish to make known to you the grace of God which has been given in the churches um, of Macedonia, that in a great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord, begging us with much urging for the favour of participation and the support of the saints. And this, not as we had expected, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. So we urge Titus um, that as he had previously made a beginning, he he would also complete in you this gracious work as well. Powerful little passage, eh? Powerful passage. Um, and like it says in, um, in the title, this is a people of great generosity. Now these were no ordinary givers. It says here that, that this particular community, they gave not out of their riches, but out of their poverty. And even in the midst of their poverty, it says that their great liberality overflowed from within them. 
These are not people who had spare cash lying about and could put a couple of dollars in the offering plate. These are people who were deeply impoverished and yet begged Paul to be able to share with them. He said, it's, it's a favor if you will let us give to you and serve you. Interesting, eh? It can be so easy to come with the perspective of, you know, I'm, I'm up here with the microphone and I'm doing you guys such a favor by sharing with you the, the oracles and the mysteries of God. I'm, you know, it really is a, a favor that you're being given from, from me being here to serve. <laughs> Actually, the church didn't see it that way. They saw that, it was a, that, that Paul was granting them a favor if they were just to allow this impoverished church to be able to share in this process of being able to give um, with such liberality completely, it almost says it in here that Paul is almost shocked, you know, in, in a good way that these people were so freely given. And the interesting thing is we don't even see that this was giving money. It doesn't actually make any mention to money. It probably was, but, it, you know, giving is much, much more than just your finances. Um, so... A cool passage for us to look at, hey, um, and a lot of powerful points for our fabulous panel members up here um, um, to unpack, but um, yeah, fabulous, I reckon fabulous. <laughs> Got my fabulous shirt on. That's what I was thinking, hey? it's like, who fabulous is this guy that walked in here? <laughs> He's upgraded, eh, from the watermelons <laughs> to the pink flamingos. That's what they wear That's in Malaysia, bro. Is it an upgrade? All right, so I've got a question, our first uh, question for our pa panel members um, is this, what is the primary purpose of giving? Is it to meet needs or is it more than that? Paul, I'd like to, to start with you if, if, if that's okay. <laughs> no, serious, Paul has some real fantastic things to, to kiss, kick us off with tonight. <laughs> that was a setup. <laughs> I was just chatting with you, Sam. <laughs> I think it, it is, like all these things, it's far more than just the, um, just the action taking place. It's an, an expression or the expression of the divine DNA that's formed within us. It's so easy to look at, um, you know, the giving, I'll, I'll give you something. I've just given you my resource. But one thing that struck me as I noticed it, it starts with, and first, they gave themselves. And, and I could see that every action that came from that then, well, what do I do now that I've given you my resource? That I've got no resources left. But if I give of myself, I'm still here. The source is still here. And I'm able to give from a, a source that's beyond me and it's leading me to the divine nature of God that says he's not just saying, well, give me a drink of water. I'll give you something far more I'll give you the source of where the water comes from and to find that within you. And I think this is something that these people, and I, I believe it was the Thessalonians that he's talking about, that are um, going through all the struggle, and yet they were, they were urging and begging because they could see something that was far greater than just giving some money and a good work. And the words that are used in their talks of they want to have this fellowship, they want to have koinonia, which is this, this it's oneness. Please don't take away the opportunity that's here for us to be one with you. We want to. We know this, and we want to participate. Well, you don't have anything to give. It's, it's far more. 
I think um, I think ultimately it it, it it demonstrates a reality that brings God glory. So when we live like this, this is not normal. This is not human. This isn't what we do. The world doesn't do this. And so when the church starts living like this, God gets glorified. Because people are dumbfounded why you would do what you're doing. You know, um, So ultimately the purpose of, of giving is to glorify God. And that God would be glorified. And us people would be astounded and like, and so through us, we become the demonstration of him on the earth. Absolutely. And even in this passage right at the beginning, it says, Now, brethren, brethren, we wish to make known to you the grace of God which has been given in the churches um, of Macedonia, eh? You know? And it's interesting that it wasn't their gifts that went down in all of human history written in the scriptures. It was what was within them that then prompted them to act in this particular way, hey, you know? Um, it says, I want to make known to you the grace of God that was upon this particular church, you know? Um, and I think that, like Greg was saying, that that's the glory. It's seeing, it's, it's ultimately the, the great mystery is Christ in you, the hope of glory, eh? you know? And that's what was being displayed here more than just a generous offering. And I think just, just to remind everyone, grace is divine enablement. So the grace, the divine enablement of God to be able to fulfill what God is asking, because we can't do this in us. So God gives all things for us to be able to live this way. And that's what's so cool, is he doesn't expect you to do something in your own strength, you can't. So it's like, you know, make known to you the divine enablement of God, which has been given to you, so you can partake and actually live this way out. Because there would have been so much potential for this community, community of believers being impoverished to think that when this preacher was coming in that it would be all about them and them needing to receive. But actually this community had something that their, their posture wasn't that when someone would come in it was all about them. Their first reaction was actually how can I, how can I give, how can I serve because they overflowed with what they had already received, hey, you know? Um, so it's, a comp- it is, it, it's so divine, and it's completely different to just natural, normal, earthly operating, hey? You know? I think like we heard from Brian this morning, he couldn't fathom how someone would do something for him without expecting something in return, you know? Um, and I thought that was beautiful, you know? And here's a community where if anyone is in need of something, it's these guys, and yet we don't see written into the scriptures that Paul went and visited a, a hurt, broken, frustrated, annoyed, p- impoverished community and helped them. He went and visited a community, yes, that might have been physically impoverished, but were full of the grace and the power of God and acted as a testimony to the church and all generations to come that there's a greater life and power that can live within you that's bigger than your circumstances. Hey? You know? so. Cool. What about for, for others? Shall I read the question out again? Um, what is the primary purpose of giving? Is it to meet needs or is there something much more than that? Yeah, I was um, just talking about the difference between giving and giving by the grace of God and the, the difference... 
I believe is in the nature of the giving. So it's more than just giving, but it's in the nature of giving that's characterized um, by a, a spirit of volunteer and willingness and generosity and all things that we find in Christ who gave his total self to us. And it's, you know, that was God's wealth of investment in the person of Christ given to us. Um, and, and so it, that giving from the grace of God given to us, the Son, it makes the difference in how we give because it goes beyond the need. It goes beyond the, the physical thing that's seen to the eye, but Christ gives to what's in front of him, but also has insight into the human heart and soul and gives beyond what's in, in front of him. So the difference is really characterized by the nature of Christ in the way we give um, because there's such a, a generosity knowing what we've received, which is you know that wealth, that invested wealth that of the son. Mm. And there's something deeply humbling about receiving from a, someone who gives like that, you know, yeah. when, like I just remember, like, or, or being in a position where you've, you've received from someone so freely that it, under, that it undoes you, you know, yes. and I just, I remember we had a time when Tess and I had just moved into our new house, and we had literally been working from 7 a.m., till like 1 or 2 a.m. in the morning for about six days straight. And then we, then we had to move. And I said to Tessa, I'm just so completely, completely done. I can't move. I, you know, I can't lift anything. And then I get, this, I get this like text from Luke who says, hey, I've just arranged for all the guys to come in and to move all of your stuff from your old house to your new house. And it was like in this moment where I had absolutely... I, I, I Tess would be able to testify. I've never been in this position before where I had no physical strength, less, no mental capacity to move. And, you know, and, and then I, I, got, I get this text saying, hey, I've, I've sorted it. I've got the guys together. I didn't even, didn't even ask for, for help, but, you know, and I just, I probably haven't even shared this with you. <laughs> in, the, in, in the moment, I was so deeply humbled because I received something, you know, of a selfless act that that it didn't just impact our house, it impacted me, you know? And I think that that's what this giving does, you know? That it doesn't just meet a need, it demonstrates divine love, you know? And I think that that's what I, I received, I received love in that act, you know? Um, that was bigger than just, just the service, you know? <laughs> what was that? Yeah, you know, but that's that's who we're to be as a community, right? You know, t to one another, day in, day out. You know. Um. <laughs> All right, good question. <laughs> All right, moving right along. <laughs> I just, you know, like obviously God's heart is that all of mankind would know Him. And so by this demonstration, it's another wisdom, isn't it? So there's two wisdoms, the wisdom of God and the wisdom of the world. And so he completely operates from another realm, and it's not this wisdom of this. So, so the world is dumbfounded by this wisdom. And I remember when we um, you know, were at the Shell Garages, and we were giving money away, you know, and saying to people, has anyone given you $10 to pay for your petrol? And people look at you dumbfounded. And then they're going, you can say, what's the catch? There must be a catch. No one gives you anything for free. And some people actually struggle to receive this type of love. 
this type of giving because it's not natural, it's not normal, and it can expose their own issues. You know, they've never been loved uh, unconditionally. They've, they, they have to perform to get. And I found that fascinating that, that, you know, you think everyone would just jump at it, but they don't. Some people actually, and one guy got highly offended and swore at us and said, I don't need your beep charity. You know, so it confounds the world, but it's also an opportunity for the world to actually ask a question because, yeah, his heart is that everyone would know him. And so in this crazy act of giving, um, you know, it, it's powerful and it can draw people to ask questions to discover a God that actually does love them. All right, next question I have here is, why is giving considered a spiritual gift? Is it not just something that anyone can do? Why is giving listed among the spiritual gifts in, in Romans? I think, I think I was sort of maybe answered that earlier without even realizing the question, but I think the difference is between the giving and the being it a, a spiritual gift is that it's the, the, it comes from the nature of the gift giver, and so it's characterized, the giving is characterized by the nature of Christ, and, um, and it's interesting to me that in verse, um, verse 8, um, it says, I speak not by commandment, but I'm testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. And I thought that was so interesting how Paul was saying, I'm not commanding you to do this, but I'm actually testing to see if there's a, a volunteering um, willingness to give um, and to give generously. And um, again, I think it's just such a beautiful picture of Christ willing willingly came um, and gave his total self to us and, and lived so generously towards us um, that uh, it, you know, it, the it, we don't have to be told. I think it forms the people that don't need to be told or directed what to do, but willingly um, and volunteer their lives, lay their lives down because of what they've received uh, by the grace of God. Um, so, yeah, I think it's in the giving, the nature. Um, I think with all these things, is there's, there's, there's two kinds, isn't there? So he wants a kind of people, a people of the spirit, and there's spirit and flesh. And so everything must be of the same kind that he is for it to be of him. Because anyone can give and not give. So anyone can give $1,000 but not be of the spirit of generosity. So it's very important that we're of his kind um, and that's why it's like just because you, just because you give your time doesn't make you generous. You can be giving with an outcome, an expectation, where his kind comes freely, and that's a that's a major difference. Why? So, the spirit of giving is not of us. See, it goes beyond us because what it's going to accomplish is beyond our ability, and so he has to empower everything because it's of his kind. And that's what baffles people. You know, it's why the lady who gave two little coins actually was more generous and of the kind of Christ than the ones that gave off their wealth. Their wealth. So it's very important we flow from the kind, his kind, which is spirit. Yeah. 
And I think that's why it says in, in, in Romans, it says, he who gives with liberality, eh? And to me, that's the difference between what's natural and what's divine, you know? Anyone can give, but you can give then expecting something back in return or looking for an outcome attached to your giving, you know? I remember when I was um, living in, I was in Indonesia for, for five months, and the guy there that run that ran the mission base was a fantastic guy. And as, as this they have an orphanage there with 500 kids. And as, as the thing started to get off the ground and they started to have more and more kids coming through and more visibility, he started getting offers of more money, but the money started to come with expectations and conditions on it, you know? I'll give you all of this money, but we're not so keen on this whole Jesus thing that you're talking to these kids about, you know? And so... That, like that, there's a, there's a kind of giving there, but it's a natural kind, right? It, it comes with something attached to it. And I was so impressed with the guy. He said when people would st- when people put conditions on the money like that, he, he said that he would have the conversation with them. Look, you're not you're not our source. You know, we 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 don't we don't receive money from man. God is our provider. You know, and so he's able to say no to big amounts of money to maintain the integrity of what God was wanting to do in and through the community, you know, um, because it's not worth um, compromising what God is doing for the sake of, of anything like that, you know. Um, so to me, that's, you know, there's a kind, like Greg is saying, a kind of giving, and it's giving with liberality, you know. Um, when you, the, to me, the difference is that when you, when you give, you don't actually lose anything, you know, when you give naturally, your bank account gets emptier, you know, or when you serve, your time gets sucked up, you know, man, I've given so much time and so much money and so much energy and so much effort. But when the giving is of the kind that we're talking about, when you give with liberality, your mind doesn't even think like that. You don't think of your giving as loss. You don't think of the investment of your time as a loss of time that you could have been investing it in something better, right? You know, um, and I think that's the, the beauty of, of investment is that when you see the value in something, the value in what you're invested into far outweighs the profit of that far outweighs what it is that you've lost, you know? And I think that's what we see here in this community. The value of what they saw in and through Paul and the ministry that was taking place was of greater profit being able to enter into that spiritual life than the giving of their own physical resource into it, eh? You know? So it's powerful. I just think it comes back to what you're saying, that you use the word source. You know, when when we know I can give out of a liberality, out of the source, not out of out of what I, what I know I have. You know, if I have if I got a thousand dollars to and I can give it, well I had a thousand dollars to give. But what happens when he says give fifteen hundred? Well I'm five hundred short. But if I know the source is leading us the gift and the leading of the spirit then I'm giving out of liberality, out of something that's beyond just me. That That's not what the world does. If the, the world would give a thousand because they got a thousand. You know, and as I know and grow in that um, n- knowledge of God and His, I mean, you read on, it talks about Christ, who though being rich gives it all up. So sets the picture and paints what it is for us because he knew, well, that, that wasn't the source. The source is God, you know? 
It's interesting in this passage here that it says, for I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord. Hey, And it's interesting, you know, like you, you could see that that could so easily be of two extremes. You know, here's an impoverished community that normally you'd think that may have been coerced or manipulated into giving beyond their ability, you know? Um, or here's a community that are so overflowing with the grace of God that they were able to step into a divine kind of giving that was bigger than their current, you know, capacity, you know? And I feel like, especially in poor communities, you can see where there's the potential to manipulate people to give because of a need, and yet Paul was saying here that these guys had none of that, you know, um, that it, what, that they gave out of their poverty, but it, actually it was out of abundance, you know, um, because they had experienced a greater life source that was more than earthly resource, hey, you know. It's, um, it's interesting, the guys that he's talking to or the people that he's talking to are, are not people who aren't experiencing some measure of life in God. He says, but just as you are bound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and in the earnestness and in the love we inspired in you, then touches on another aspect of their walk that to touch on this. So I'm giving you opportunity now to prove a work done within you and that's formed in you. And so just as you are bound in these other things, don't hold back in this. Let God be formed in you. You can abound in this area as well. I remember when I when I first started on when I first started on that um, eldership or started coming along to meetings. One thing I just remember, um, we decided that someone would share about giving on a Sunday morning. It wasn't wasn't just recently this round of talking about giving. It was right right back a number of years ago. And I was, I was so blown away that the discussion went something, there was a discussion amongst the, the group, oh, you guys probably don't even remember this, but it was talking about, um, about giving us a real value that we have as part of our family, and we need to encourage people to give because it's, it's a valuable investment for them and sowing in and investing their, their money and their time and their resource. And our I remember thinking, man, we've got all of this money in the bank and we're encouraging people to... I was, I was blown away at the fact that, that, that there's a sense from the elders at the time of we're encouraging people to give not because we need money, but because we're a family and we want to invest into one another. We want one another to grow. And that, that was, the motivation was so different um, to probably what I had seen in, in church circles in the past that you... You have a, a giving message because you need money. But when I read in Paul's, I, I, I was so blown away that this had nothing to do with needing money, but everything to do with the transformation and growth of the family, you know? And, and Paul talks in Philippians and he says, you know, I, I, I encourage you to give not because I need anything from you, but so that more can be credited to your account, you know? It's a completely different heartbeat, you know, that you would encourage people to give, not because you need, but because it's valuable for them, right, you know? And I think to me that's the heartbeat of family, you know? Like, we, we encourage Levi to, to sometimes 
wipe up the floor, you know, when he, when he makes us, it's not, that is so much harder than just doing it, you know. <laughs> but, there's, but there's value in it, not for us, but for him, you know. So we need to create an environment where he learns to give and we tell him that it's actually helpful, you know, we say, yeah, well done, you know, you're being so helpful. Well, he's actually not really being that helpful because our source isn't him. And yet there's a value in it that actually it is helpful that he's learning and growing and maturing in something that's bigger than himself, you know. Um, but it's motivated by family and togetherness and community, not by, not by need, hey. It's truly understanding the why, isn't it? You know, and this is an area that people get really twisted up in, you know, and, um, you know, there's manipulation within, um, even within the church of this area, you know. So it's an area of entanglement for many people. Um, you know, oh, the church just wants your money. It's all they ever hear. Even the church say, all the church wants is my money. You know, it's it's this area that really must we must understand the why behind the giving of your entire life, and and that as we're looking at that's that's the first part. You know, if we haven't, as it says, if we haven't given ourselves unto the Lord, you know, then there's a good chance we'll be entangled in this and have completely wrong mindsets. We'll get bitter. You know, we we give expecting. You know, we give with these expectations, and when they don't get met, bang, first one, oh, I got offended, and off I walk. And so, you know, the church isn't able to become the church that God says because we, we all come with these expectations. I don't know where we get them from, but we find them somewhere. And, um, you know, and, and that's the problem. And, and yet there are people who do manipulate, who coerce, who are, who are building their own empires, and so you throw that into the mix, and it's just one big mess. And yet these people understood. I, I love this. They, you know, that in their great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy. What's that? You know, there's something greater within them, and they understand the why behind why they are giving themselves. And the challenge, you know, for us is that the actual act of doing is quite easy. And you can tick that. The actual act of laying one's life aside, <laughs> it's a whole different ballgame, you know. And so it's actually easy to do the thing I can do rather than the thing I have no control over. And we have to develop a hunger for what we can't actually do. And then from that place, there's this activation of trust and so you don't get entangled. I love it. Liberality. There's no room for entanglement of self because they've been set free of self, you know. And as we know, just in the area of money, I mean, man, God says you can't love money and me, you know. And money's a God because it's powerful and it keeps me in control. Hence, Jesus spoke a lot about money because he knows money binds man and he wants man free. He does it to free us from us. You know, and once again, that's our challenge because, you know, we've got to lose that element of control which man can't do. He needs someone to help him, and that's hence. I love that. I love that point about the entanglement because when I was looking up 
generosity, what it actually means, it comes right down to that it's, it's, it's a simple and singular thing, and it's, it's, it's without complications, without entanglement, without outcome, without expectation. It's, it's, again, it's that wholehearted, freely, because I can. Um, and I think that's what the Macedonian church Understood. I mean, to have that posture of that, where that verse says, you know, um, the overflowing joy and deep poverty welled up in rich generosity. So it's actually those two tensions of the joy within them and then their poverty situation actually welled up the generosity. And it, I mean, that's that's I mean, that's so profound, right? And just coming back to the verse, um, Paul, you were saying um, where it says. In verse 9, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes, he, your sake he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. And, and again, that is so fundamental to understand that Christ in us makes us so enriched that we are we are rich people and that we can we could even find ourselves live in poverty and yet still be generous and know that we could be like the Macedonians of um, giving out of poverty because they were they were also in poverty and um, but yet they knew they were rich in in nature and rich in Christ and it's because of Christ making himself not rich, leaving heaven, place of glory, known as the king, all things, you know, he left that place in his poverty to make us rich. And we have the same um, mission to, that we could live in poverty. As Paul says, you know, I can live with or without, and I, I have this joy abounding. And it's the same thing because of Christ in us. We have that same um, ability that goes beyond our physical ability. It's a, um, it's just stunning. And there, there's something that um, I had read the other day that's, that said, you know, if if we if we don't truly know our identity as a new creation in Christ, Christ in us, the hope of glory, then we actually live in poverty. Yeah. It's a that's a poverty mindset. And um, if we think about the the young rich. The rich, oh, hello, rich. <laughs> thank you. Um, you know, he he had everything on the outside. You know, he was he, he was young. He had he had everything he needed, and yet he walked away as a man in poverty because he denied the quality of life, the eternal life that was in front of him. Um, even though he was asking for it, he didn't realize what what it was the, the very thing that would actually enrich his life. And it really, it's fantastic, okay, because it really isn't, it doesn't have anything to do with natural resource, hey, you know. Like, so often you hear, oh, you know, you go to Cambodia and, you know, oh, the people there, they're impoverished, but they have so much joy and rati rati ra. But actually, the, the, like, like, the source of joy isn't poverty, you know. Just because someone lives in poverty doesn't mean that they're more joyful because they have less possessions, you know. The source of joy is Christ in you, right? That's what it's saying here. You know, it doesn't say that they had an abundance of joy because they were living in poverty. You know, yeah. it says that they have an abundance of joy because of the deep liberality that they had discovered in Christ, and it actually. You know, so, so, people can be deeply impoverished and have a poverty spirit, and people can be incredibly wealthy and have a poverty spirit. You know, like it's, it has nothing to do with with earthly natural things. You can be incredibly wealthy and live out of 
an eternal resource that's within you that wells up in liberality, or you can be poor and do exactly the same thing. And I, I feel like that's what the, the testimony is here, is saying, you know, that even in the midst of their deep poverty, there was something in them that overflowed, that trumped their natural condition, eh, you know? And I feel like that, that to me, is, is the power and the beauty of the gospel, that it, it does a work within you, you know? And we've talked a lot about, like, we've talked about physical money, but I think that the generosity here is, is it is money, but it's also there's a lot of other ways that you can be generous and generous with liberality when you're living in this position, you know? I, I feel like it's the same thing for how you, how you are at work, you know? Constantly working but being free and, and, and working unto the Lord not to serve your boss, you know? Not constantly doing things for approval, doing the dishes at home or, you know, doing, like, that can even be done in exactly the same posture as what we're looking at, you know, that, that you do something to please your wife because everyone likes their wives to be happy, right, you know? And, and, <laughs> oh, maybe just me? Okay. <laughs> yes, Dan. Just me, okay. <laughs> just me. All right, let's just get back to it. You know? But what I'm saying is that you can, you, can, you can live and serve based out of a need to be recognized and valued and appreciated, or you can serve with liberality, you know? That actually doesn't matter if someone thanks you or appreciates you or you get something out of the giving, you know? And I feel like, to me, it's actually in those environments that it's tested more than it is in the big, you know, sometimes more in the, the big visible environments, you know? Can we give to one another in our closest relationships with liberality, you know? And we are, do we have the capacity living within us to be able to give and not get something back in return? You know, um, that's that's what he's maturing in us. And if we can do it in our own households, then we'll be able to do it in the wider body. But if we can't, then we probably our, our giving to one another here is probably just going to be a, an expression of what giving is like in our um, in our closer environments. So. Um, I just keep getting that word um, submission when you're speaking, and it's that exactly the same linkage, that um, the submission, which is the mission under love, when you're submitted to the Father, you're coming under the mission of love. So love is the key, right? And so the generosity is the generosity of spirit, the heart posture of someone who is under the submission of love. Therefore, they don't expect anything in return. They just give give, 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 that all they know is give, you know, and, it, and it's that, and even in the workplace, it's like, that's, that's really cool, because, whoops, um, it's, it's the, again, it's the heart posture, so it's the heart motivation, what are you doing, what you're doing, are you doing it unto the Lord, or is your attitude one that is actually bringing disgrace, you know, to yourself and to, and to, um, to the Father, yeah. It was fascinating, you know, being in Malaysia and, um, you know, we had the privilege of staying at a, at a really nice resort um, and, you know, we got talking to the staff and, and you, you talk about just treating people equally, you know, but you could see people at the resort that were not and a little bit sort of like were above and you could hear them treat the people that worked there like servants and slaves and talk to them like that, you know, and look at them like that and, and we just got talking um, with people, as we do, you know. And I said to one girl, I said, what's it like actually here? Really, what's it like? Tell me what it's really like. 
And she and I said, What are the some of the people like? And she and she looked at me, I said, Like that? And she went and she there are other people that aren't, you know. Um, and it's fascinating though, and, and obviously you don't you don't do this for this reason, but just as you love people, it's amazing how people light up. And then it's amazing the engagements you have as far as the interaction you have, you know. So we um, were chatting to the bar staff um, because each hour from quarter to seven to quarter to eight, you got free cocktails. <laughs> we're into cocktails. <laughs> um, so you got one, one free one. Suffering and for the gospel, <laughs> and these guys. Enjoying my father's creation, brother. And, um, you know, you just start engaging with people and, and you take an interest in what they do and all of a sudden the guy's writing down different menus or different cocktails and he's making them as well. And he's like going, hey, just have that, try that one, let me know. That. The point is you just... Yeah. Learn to a little bit too often. Yeah, it was a good night. Um, it's one each, not one of each. But just the generosity of spirit, just to engage with people and what that opens up and the opportunities that opens up, rather than just, you know, being for you, living for you, thinking life's all about you and whoa, 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 me, you know, and you miss so much by having that. Um, but it's a deep work within, you know, it's, it's, it's the giving yourself isn't, well, now I'm going to do A, B and C. It's the surrendering of your entire heart. You know, and that's where the challenge comes, isn't it? Um, and so I just find that fascinating that, that in the way we treat people, just smiling at people, you know, I, I don't know about you guys, but even just smiling now has a defined impact, you know? Say hello. I remember being on the tubes in London, and man, if you said hello, I even was like, weirdo. <laughs> and then you don't talk, it runs the papers up. <laughs> That's right. You're a freak, man. It's like being in the lift day and everyone's just like stone faced, like, <laughs> like intently like watching the number seven, eight, nine. <laughs> Look at that, <laughs> Eleven. <laughs> Bring it back, Paul. <laughs> I saw my wife stand up. <laughs> Did you want to say something? Do you have a question? It's recognising that we are each gifts also and we're the, the person we're talking to or interacting with isn't only a gift but I'm a gift also and then the gifts go back and forth, whatever that takes shape or whatever that is or, and it's valuing that, it's a value which has no end to it, it's just divine, it just, it's, yeah. It is divine, and it's where he says that, do you not recognise that we're members one of another? And so that you can see the gift in each other. Even if the gift that's coming to me is ugly, that is a gift. Because that gift is exposing stuff in me that is not quite formed or submitted or that's a gift yeah well it, it, you know, Isaiah talks about the, the treasures of darkness 
So you have to plunge the depths of darkness to find those things, get them brought out. He doesn't want to bring it out just so it stays ugly. Now his heart's desire is that we're purified and in these things we discover who he is and now that nature formed in us. And I love this. Um, and he talks about in that in a, he's just talked about the grace of God that's been given to them. That in a great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy is being revealed. So in the affliction, the divine nature of Father is now revealed as having worked within you, that out of you comes joy, not responding in kind in the affliction, but in joy. Then he goes on and he says, not just in poverty, but in deep poverty. You are, they overflowed in wealth of their liberality. And you know it's not written this way in here, but I guess by inference it shows that if they took up an offering from these um, churches and they brought it to you, it would be like going to Cambodia and they took up an offering and from the um, overflowing and the wealth of the liberality, they put it all together and they brought it and they give it here to the rock and we've got a sum total of 10 US dollars. And you go, okay, well, it's not going to buy a lot here. And yet, if you're just looking at the $10, you've missed what's happened. They overflowed in the wealth of their liberality because there's something far greater than just the dollar value that you might be looking at now. I think the bigness, too, eh? it's like so often we can be so siloed, like it's about the rock or it's about the street, or it's about, the, and we're raising this for this, and it's just silo, as opposed to this worldview of what God is doing. You know, they, they wanted to support the work of the saints. The saints were going out and spreading the gospel. So it's this much bigger reality. I'm part of something way bigger than just a local expression. And so I'm engaging in the whole. So I'm I'm expressing it in the local, but I'm also, let's say, the international, or bigger than just where I am. It's this both and more reality, um, and I think that's massive as well. And I love what you're saying, and you know about we actually we all have, like we're all growing in the capacity to be able to give like this, you know, and. Uh, it's not. I don't think it's in this passage, but there's another place where Paul talks about the privilege of being able to enter into giving, at, you know, to be able to giving, giving and receiving from you. You know, that there's a that there's a back and forth. You know, um, and it, it makes me think of um, you know in James it says every good and perfect gift comes down from above. You know, fr um, from the Father of lights. You know, and and the gift that we're so much, so often have been given as, as each other, you know, and sometimes, the, sometimes that gift, like he says, it, it exposes what's not there, but sometimes it exposes a deep work that has been done, and it glorifies the Father, which is what we see in this passage here, eh? you know. But I wonder if we can see one another as gifts to each other, as opposed to frustrations to each other, you know, which I think is the the key thing, and why perspective is so is so massive. Eh? You know? Any other any other questions? So I'm um, looking at uh, verse 6, it says, So we urge Titus that as he had begun, so he would also complete this grace in you as well. So would you guys um, 
Could you elaborate on what's happening there and how it is that Titus is able to, as a minister, complete this gift in them? What does that mean? (laughs) Really? No. Titus isn't. I don't believe Titus is completing, being the. It's like as you read the whole thing, you know, he, he says, go and remind the people of what their intention was. So obviously we can't complete a work in the people, but we can go in the name of to say, hey, remember this is what we're about, and you said yes to doing this. So the completion of the work, I love how Paul uses this. He says, I know you're going to, but I also send ABC person to remind you what you are going to do because yeah. he knows the heart of man and he knows the nature of man. So we say yes, and then actually the action of the yes. And so what I believe this is is Titus has been sent to see that work completed, what was going to happen. I feel like it, to, to me that this... This, pat, or this book is written, or this letter is written to the Corinthian church, and Paul is, and Paul is saying here, Corinthian church, here's an example of another community that'll, that are operating from this grace, you know? Um, and, and so he's saying, um, so we urge Titus that as it previously made a beginning, so he would also complete in you this gracious work as well. So I think like Greg was saying, I feel like, he's like so I've, I've sent Titus because the seed has been sown, but there's a greater expression for you to enter into this grace in the same way that the Macedonian church had entered into it, you know? So it had, the work had begun, but there was a greater fullness to, to come into, you know? And I feel like that's, for us, that's what we're doing tonight, you know? So saying, as a family, to a measure, we, we operate in this, but I feel like there's a greater fullness for us to enter into in this this um, this grace that we've been talking about about generosity and laying down our lives for one another, you know. So. Did you want to share something? Okay? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, I just um, that what you just said clarifies that this is two different people groups. One's in Macedonia up in the north and Corinth is down below on an island below that. And the Macedonians have been well known for being generous to people they don't know. And yeah, Titus went there and they began to give and then it stopped for whatever reason. There were people in Corinth who were bad-mouthing Paul. They could have sowed rumours and so the Corinthians thought, oh, we can't trust this guy, he's going to pocket half the money or something like that so he's writing to them saying Titus is going to you know sort this out and um, complete your giving you'll notice he says um, further down now that I've gone back into there it's a very interesting piece I mean I agree with what everything you're saying about the spirit of giving and giving beyond your means and stuff like that but um He does say down below, uh, I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others, that's the Macedonians, that your love is also genuine. 
mm. for you know the grace of God, and he talks about the grace, of, you know, the giving of the Lord. Um, and in this matter I give my judgment, this benefits you, who a year ago started not only to do this, but also to desire to do it. Mm. Now finish it. Mm. God really loves it when we complete the task. He hates it when we stop halfway. Eh? <laughs> it's not his will for us. It's not his ways. But um, he does say, um, uh, I, for I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need, so that their abundance may supply your need that there may be fairness. So he's actually saying to them, I don't want you to feel like you have to give to the point where you're impoverished, because mm. then you're just going to be a burden on somebody else. And then he uses the, um, the story of them gathering manna in the wilderness when God provided the manna, and they were instructed just to gather what they needed for the day not for tomorrow, except for one day, because they weren't allowed to gather on the Sabbath. And if they gathered too much, overnight it went rancid. They couldn't use it. And so there's a... It's not a communistic philosophy of equality. It's a, a generosity among a family that doesn't rule out ownership and... Um, you know, enjoying the work of your hands, it just means that you have a care for one another and where you can raise a family or a community or a brother or a sister, if it's in your power to do it, give generously. Yeah, yeah. That's really good, yeah, thank you. That's great, eh? And I... I feel like it's a, it's a fantastic point to make uh, and I think like reading on th throughout the context of that passage you, you see the, like, the beautiful tightrope that Paul is walking as he describes this. Eh? You know, in the first part he's saying, hey, he's, he's acknowledging their incredible generosity and being able to give beyond their means and then he talks about Actually, it's, you know, it's acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he doesn't have. You know? mm. And you see the two poles, the two tensions operating, appreciating the liberality and the, the overflowing generosity, but then on the other hand, bringing in sound wisdom to say, yeah. you know, this is not to the extent that you're making yourself impoverished and being a burden on the rest of the community. So I think that, so thank you. That's, yeah. that's cool. That's any, other, any other questions, thoughts, input? There's just a couple of things. Um, to me, there's a fear of lack that we need to be set free from. And I just wanted to ask the question, how is giving connected to setting us free from, from that? Um, and the other thing, um, I've just been reminded about how... Um, in Revelation, uh, talking to the church of Laodicea, they are seeing themselves as rich and wealthy and having need of nothing, yeah. and yet they haven't got this richness that um, we're describing. So, so it's this, 
you know, the, the power of the work of Christ that needs to come in and do this complete work that flows out in something, but it flows out. The liberality doesn't have stuff attached. And there isn't, for me, I believe there is an aspect where obedience um, can unlock um, the setting free, um, but, but there's so much more involved. It was just a thought I had. So the, the link between uh, the fear of lack and generosity, yeah. Um, I know for me personally, it's, it's, um, it's been a, a confidence in him. It's him sh- consistently showing me that he is the source of all, like he is the, the source of my, my life in every way. Um, so... Uh, um, it's the receiving, and actually part of sharing. Maybe if we if we do that about um, times where we've uh, received generosity or we have been generous, the receiving is so important. And I think that's the link for me is is, is actually allowing to to just receive and to receive freely. Um, and I think in. Re- in receiving Christ, living a life that's constantly just receiving. You know, like when he said to the disciples, I'm to wash your feet, and Peter's like, no, no. And he's like, no, no, this is, this is important. This is, this is it. And it, I, I think um, generosity, when we, when we learn to receive from Christ every day, we're receiving from him to, to live in him, have, find our being in him, as it says, we live and move and have our being in him. The, the lack of the the fear of lack is diminishes because you actually know you're living for the God Almighty who who continuously and consistently pours himself out and uh, on the receiving end you you are then in overflow um, so the lack diminishes and I, I think that the the process to that full position is when he says to do something and you do it, not because you feel it, think it, it's because he says it. And so as you, I just call it raw obedience and it's motivated by discipline rather than love. I think the ultimate position of obedience is when it's motivated from love and it's activated by faith. And so that's the maturest, I believe, position to be in. So if I'm not in that, if I'm growing into that, then obedience is still important because obedience unlocks, you know. It's like in any relationship, you know. Um, And so, and you see that throughout the scriptures. You see the disciples not in love or faith, but they're still obeying through discipline and trust. And so as he says, you know, hey, boys, you've been out all night long. You've caught nothing. Throw your net that side. Well, because you say, I do. So the key is to this growth and this trust aspect is he says you do. It's not just doing because you think. Because that's where he backs what he says. And so that's the importance of being able to hear the word, hear him speak, and then be obedient to what he says, not just what you think is a good idea. And so as you, 
listen, hear him and do, then that creates trust. And trust creates faith. And you actually now, where you didn't have a knowledge, you need trust. Then as you step into that, a conviction is formed, faith. I have an absolute conviction of what God says he does because I took a step of trust. And that's where it's scary. And, and that's where you, know, you see in the gospel is he's constantly saying to the disciples, you have little faith. You have no faith if you had faith. And so they had to trust. Um, he stepped out of the boat based on trust, not faith. So as you hear and obey because he says, not because you understand, how many times is that? It's like, well, I want to understand before I do. Wrong. You know, believe before you understand. Raw obedience. You see God work. Wow. I can now trust. And as that happens continuously, now all of a sudden you've gone from this um, obedience that's, you know, motivated by discipline, activated through trust, to motivated by love, activated through faith. That's right, and and that will that will lead you to a place where you, from your core, can say, "Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God." Because you you literally know to your core that that source will is sufficient and will provi- provide in every way to the fullness and beyond. You know, um. that's why he says, "Test me," doesn't he, in certain areas. And he puts a test. Test me. I'm, I'm, I just want to prove, man, I am what I say I am. So go on, test me, and I will show you who I am. And so then we start to grow and mature. So you might just find that giving is not as scary as you thought it was, you know, and stepping out in obedience, whether it be financial or giving of your time, giving of your smile, giving of your attention, you know that actually it starts to unlock things and the simple act of obedience and stepping into it might actually not be as hard as you thought and that there might be you know, value attached to it that is bigger than what you expected. You know? so, great question, Sandra. Thank you. I don't, I don't know if this is quite a question or more of an observation, but I think like uh, as we're, we're already moved into sort of a... Um, a world of social media and self-obsession and self-correction. We have to be um, uh, sort of navel-gazing or or at least aware of what we look like so we can present a version of ourselves. I kind of think of that passage where it says, in the last days there will be more lovers of selves. And um, I just wonder if, like, as a church, like, God is growing us to be more giving so that we can counteract this new culture of self-obsession. Or maybe it's always been there, but I just feel like there's a tide of people are so, almost a level of like narcissism, which I haven't really seen before. Can anyone comment on that? Yeah. My <laughs> my so my my personal opinion is that as the days get darker, there's a there's a like there's always been a grace to live like this, you know, for, for the Church of Christ throughout all the the ages and generations. But I feel like the the darker that things get, um, there there'll be a 
more and more of an opportunity for us as the body of Christ to live from a completely different life source. And I feel like that's what we've been talking about tonight, you know. And so I feel like as as the world becomes more and more self-obsessed, it's always been self-obsessed, right? It's just becoming more um, apparent and evident and social media just like blows it out, you know, out it blows it up to make it seem bigger than it always has been, you know, um, and it's more in your face, you know. But I'd say that that for us as the body of Christ, can we, for the time of history that we live in, our small snapshot um, um, in in history, can we be the generation that lives from? like what is available in Christ, you know? Can we live from another spirit? Can we demonstrate a different kind of wisdom that the world doesn't know, you know? Can we be that people to our generation, the city on the hill, you know, who have a completely different operating system on the inside that when everyone is self-consumed, we're selfless, you know? When everyone's consumed about their image, we're, we're consumed about, you know, the, the glory of God and Him being in, in His image and who He is, you know? And so I, I feel like there's, yeah, there's like the, the days are getting darker, but there's a real opportunity for us to be in the world and influencing, but yet of a completely different nature and spirit and operating system on the inside. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's and that's where we don't really look outside of ourselves. You know, it's like mirror up, mm. mirror up. Am I the demonstration of this? Yes. And Jesus said I'm not here to change this world this world's perishing I've come to bring my father's kingdom it's another way of being he didn't come to change the political system he didn't come change the ways of the world he didn't come to defeat the Roman Empire he came to demonstrate a complete other reality that people caught up in there could see a tangible expression so the responsibility we all have is to not be consumed with us is to not be consumed with Facebook and all these things and and, and and be self-consumed, you know. So it starts with us, and it stays with us. And as we become, then, you know, John 17, I pray that the world would know my people by the way they love because they've become the substance, and then that they would know, the world would know I was sent for them because of what my people are able to demonstrate. Um, and so that's... The, our challenge, I think, as the church is to actually be the very thing that God says we're called to be, his children, mature sons, light. And so people see a substance God in us. It's not Greg, it's not Danielle, it's not Mel, it's Christ in us as a church that becomes a fragrance. So, you know, the Bible says that we, we are to release the fragrance of the knowledge of God. So out of us comes Christ. I mean, that's a pretty big responsibility, <laughs> but fully possible because as we looked at the start, um, known to you the grace of God which has been given. So, as a whole, we're not just, but as a whole, you know, this gracing, this divine enablement that we can, we can be this. Be this. And I think as the world gets darker we will be getting brighter or we should be coming brighter and it should become contrast day and night, you know, a people group that are distinguished, distinguished and marked by, by God himself, the banner over these people, the presence of his nature in these people. Um, and, you know, it's interesting with the social media and, and all of that and 
um, how uh, the danger of the church becoming lukewarm, you know, in the mixture of looking like the world but kind of professing Jesus but not sort of presenting him. Um, the the Laodicean church is known for being lukewarm. The name Laodiceas talks about man's opinion. And I think so much of social media and and people are looking for the approval of man. They they do things for the sight and the sight of man and have lost consciousness of living in the in the light of God and you know in God's eyes. And so the living the manner of living is is for oneself and for the approval of others. And in John it actually says, you know, they they, they can't believe. They they don't have even the capacity to believe because they con so concerned about the approval of the religious leaders or each other, you know, and um, to live in that way is what makes a Christian live in the middle because it, they have not totally surrendered their life to a life unto him which makes them holy. He sets us apart by by living for his um, well, approval because we already are approved, you know, in Christ, but, but living to please and... Out of love, you know, you want to please because you love, not because you have to gain anything or earn anything. But um, yeah, I, I, that's what I see so much in the in our culture today. It's about what others think of me, and then unfortunately, it just it ravages the person and the manner of life is yuck. <laughs> yep. And all of a sudden, you you become defined by other people, you know, and I, I feel like it's always been this way, but particularly in this modern day and age, we need something on the inside that's greater than all the things that are being thrown at us, you know, our, our children need something that, that's greater, you know, like I just think of the things that Levi is exposed to now are, are even more than what I was exposed to when I was a kid, not even that many years ago, you know, and so I, I think like, like, as the church of God, it's always been the case, but we, we, we need to enter into the, the real substance of Christ within us. It's the only thing that's going to last the distance as the days get darker, you know. We, we need to enter in, into it ourselves, and we need to encourage one another. You know, um, it, it, says, it talks about um, you know, not, not um, forfeiting meeting, with one, meeting together as the days grow darker, you know, and it's not just for a cup of tea, it's, it's to encourage one another to, to, to grow and mature and enter into a greater life that gives you the capacity on the inside to live above the things of the earth, you know, um, and so it's, it's massive, eh, you know, but it's so available and we have such a fantastic opportunity, you know, with one another, I feel like as a, as a body, where we've got a group of people who are hungry to enter into everything that's available in Christ. You know, it's, it's a fertile and fantastic environment for us to be part of that we can really make the most of, a eh, one another. And, um, yeah. It's, um, you know, I think one of the differences that we find we're in now is compared to, turn the clock back, however many years you want to go back, that there are probably pockets of this being exposed in different communities and different countries and what have you. The difference is now, this has just joined the whole world together. And so everybody is, I mean, you get to go for travelling. Well, this is the thing you'll see. Where am I and what am I up to and what am I doing? And everybody's doing it. 
you know, and I think the scripture talks about that the glory of the Lord will be seen throughout the whole world. And he's looking for people who are hungry after him and having laid down my own life and now receiving him and walking and displaying, or, uh, as Greg was saying, with, there's this different fragrance that's wafting through the communities right around the world for those who are carrying a presence of God within them, having laid down their lives. And I, I just keep um, hearing or thinking of this, the verse is how hard it is for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Yeah, it's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle. However you want to bring analogy to that, it's still ridiculous. How are you going to get a camel through an eye of a needle, whether it's the entranceway of a gate or, or an actual needle? And the point was it can't happen. Yeah, Jesus goes on and says, what's impossible for man is possible for God. So you cannot do this. And we think of the uh, gifts that have been uh, spoken of through the evenings, and it's not one thing in isolation. It's them all together. I want you to excel in this thing as well. Having just pointed out to, uh, to the um, Corinthians all the other gifts and the areas which they do excel in. And the encouragement for us is to excel in, these, in the gifts that are the gifts of the Holy Spirit of God come from, the as we've been hearing about, from a place of a, a life that's laid down and surrendered into him and the knowledge of Christ, the hope of glory in me that I can live from this place knowing that you are my source. I don't have to try and beg you for the, the resource things, the having been led by you. And as you were asking that question, Sandra, I was thinking, he, don't worry, he will give opportunity for it to be revealed. There'll be plenty of them. The, the key is, am I listening? Am I open to hearing? I'll, I'll put my hand up to say, I missed it. Yeah, it was a brilliant opportunity. It was um, given to me um, the other day, Thursday. And it wasn't until after the event I went, oh, oops. You were speaking to me there. There was an opportunity to be a divine fragrance wafting through the community as we were going to the train station. And I, I completely missed it. I was busy in my own, focused on my own thing, doing what I'm doing, and not mindful, working, walking circumspectly before the Lord and open, allowing him. Something he's continually saying, slow down, son, slow down. And when I slow down, I know that the ears of my heart are more open and receptive to an opportunity to actually extend what he spe speaks of here now, early in the passage, to extend grace, the empowerment of God actually fleshed out to be generous to somebody and that that actually would have been a, a witness to someone else. So, you know, I, I, my hope, my prayer, my continual walk with the Lord is that um, I learn through the actions of doing, not through omission, but actually engaging in this. But it's opportunity, and he covers, and there's learning. But it's beautiful knowing, actually, this is something that you're empowering me to do, not something I'm trying to achieve. Cool. Oh, any last burning questions before we finish up? One, one last one? No? That's cool. All right. Paul, do you want to pray for us and we'll, and we'll finish up? Sure. Father, thank you that you are so generous. 
How broad and wide and high and deep, how unsearchable is the depth of God. And that you call us into a greater capacity for eternity to know you. So Father, we ask that as we've just spent some time this evening just dialoguing and wanting to feed on your word, that you continue to feed us, grow us as your sons, as your daughters, as your children, as heirs of the kingdom of God, to live in the, in the growing capacity of the fullness of the full knowledge of God in us, everywhere we are. So Father, we thank you that it first starts with your love for us that we are covered, that we are empowered, that we're graced, that we're loved. And I just want to bless you and I say amen and hallelujah and respond to, Lord, that we love you and give you our hearts as we sing tonight, not just as lip service, but total offering and total gesture of sacrifice to you. Lord, have my heart and have your way in your son's precious name. Amen. Thanks, guys. Have a great week.